0: I'm not Welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavostin, and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com.
1: Hey, Dan, I'm Mark Giannacchio. I'm the founder of the Chasing Amazing blog and currently an editor at Superior Spider Talk. Nice to meet you, Mark. Nice to meet you as well.
0: Well, thanks for joining us for a special essentials episode of Amazing Spider Talk. This is number 28. Can you believe it?
1: Oh, Mike, so what? We got two more? Two more. I don't even know what two are left.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I had to spend some time this weekend uh, uh, going episode by episode to figure out what ones were left. Okay. (laughs) Well, anyway, we hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture.
1: Yes, and for this episode, as Dan mentioned, we'll be discussing the potential essential Spider-Man comic book of the week. We will be discussing my pick. Which is Best of Enemies, a.k.a. Spectacular Spider-Man number 200 by J.M. DeMatteis and Sal Buscema. And then we'll be reading your comments and emails, Dan.
0: That sounds great, Mark. Well, uh, let's get right into it. Uh, You and I, we're best of friends, but we're also sometimes, and particularly on the topic of annuals, Best of Enemies. (laughs)
1: Dan, that that was a, a great transition.
0: That's so wonderful. Thank. That's, as that's always, as down. always.
1: Actually, no, it was terrible. I hate you. Let's fight to the death now.
0: Oh, all right. Let's do it.
1: Ah, forget it. Why don't we just talk about this comic book? All right,
0: that sounds like a fair, uh, like, middle ground. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, uh, Best of enemies, Spectacular Spider-Man 200 uh, by JMD and Sal Busema. I mean, I... I don't think I have to ask you why this isn't your isn't essential to you, but I'm going to, just to make you go through this kind of tricky rigmarole. Why, why is well, this essential to you?
1: Well, I you know I, I appreciate you kind of giving me deference here, Dan, but it's, I don't know if it's that cut and dry because you know th- some things have happened um, in the last decade or so that have kind of rendered elements of the story moot, but. Um in terms of why I picked it for um this so, uh for this series and not just because I think this is one of the best Spider-Man comics ever written um but it for one you know 200 spectacular 200 culminates it's the conclusion of this long-running arc that was running all throughout Spectacular Spider-Man uh throughout the early 90s dealing with uh, Peter and Harriet. It started officially in uh, The Child Within uh, was the name of the storyline. I think it was like around Spectacular or like 174 or 176. Um, and then there was a, like that special hologram anniversary issue, which I think is actually your favorite storyline from the full arc, right?
0: Yeah, I love that issue. Uh, probably because that was the first one I read with uh, like evil Harry in it. But I think that issue is like, really twisted uh yeah the kind of dinner scene with like the molten man and liz and
1: yeah and they all have the yeah it's it's it's. i mean this is you know jan dematteis he is i mean obviously the the big dark twisted story that he wrote was craven's last hunt but i mean this is certainly right up there in terms of dark and twistedness i mean that was kind of jmd's forte uh, during his run on, on spectacular and just Spider-Man in general, even when he was writing amazing in the, in, in during like the clone saga that he was kind of the, the dark, the dark writer, um, not to
0: mention Sal Buscemo's like the goblin is like super Joker-esque and twisted and freaky.
1: Yeah, and this was before Buscema got like I feel too deep into the ninety, you know, nineties. Fied, you know what I mean? Like he still he had a distinct style, but it wasn't I think over too loose. You know, there was still some tightness to what he was drawing. I think he got too loose as the nineties went along. But yeah, so. It's it's this, you know it was a long running storyline. This is kind of like the final chapter. I mean, at this point, it's it's the death of Harry Osborn, and that's in terms of what's been rendered moot. I mean, that's obviously he's he's alive and well as Harry Lyman now in the comics. But regardless of that, um, I do feel this is like the quintessential Peter Parker Harry Osborn story. I mean, you know, we we've kind of just always accepted the fact that Peter and Harry are friends and sometimes enemies. Uh, when Harry has one of his like psychotic breaks and becomes the Green Goblin, but I really feel uh, this full storyline and then culminating in this chapter really accentuates their friendship and and the turmoil that comes from the, you know Peter being Spider-Man and Harry being Goblin, you know the rawness of that, the emotion of that. I, I cannot think of a single story that captures a, a personal relationship that Peter has with both a friend and an enemy any better than this one does. I think it's a, also a quintessential Spider-Man goblin story. I mean, you know, obviously the, the, the big spe- Spider-Man goblin story is one, you know, death of Gwen Stacy, like when Stacy died. Um, and you know, kind of the, the impetus of that whole thing is the fact that Norman Osborn knew Peter's identity. But, um, even though he personally went after Peter in that story by, by kidnapping and then killing Gwen, um, here it, it, in, in this in spectacular 200 i feel like it's even more personalized because you know harry knows peter is spider-man and there there's just you know we'll talk about it when we talk about the issue itself there's all these little scenes within where like harry is just like taunting peter with this idea of i can just destroy you whenever and you wouldn't even know you know <laughs> like it's just like and like the, the, to have an enemy just get that close to peter Uh, again, even with Norman, I don't think we've ever seen quite that level of of imminent danger around every corner in a a Spider-Man comic. Uh, It it really makes this just a tension that that you just don't see elsewhere. And then, you know, I've I've raised this point on Chasing Amazing and on Superior Spider-Talk before, Dan, you know, Um, we talk about different themes from Spider-Man comics and of course the big one is always power and responsibility and I think that there are fans that, um, if you don't say that power and responsibility is the end-all be-all of themes, that there's something wrong with you and, you know, you need to, you know, get your head checked, but, uh, I do think there are other themes to be glommed off from, from Spider-Man and one of them is this idea of, um peter's basic inability to have functional relationships with 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 family and friends and loved ones because of the fact that he's spider-man and this this story really punctuates that um he, he, you know his best friend is his ar- is arch nemesis in this storyline um so again can't really find a better example of that to me in in the spider-man comics so Beyond this the fact that I love this storyline, I, I I do think this captures a lot of critical essential parts of who Peter is, who Spider Man is, um, and you know even putting aside what has kind of been undone by uh, it in recent years, um. So that's kind of my long form rigmar- rigmarole. I don't know what you think about this, Dan. Besides the fact I know you like it, but I don't know do do, do you share in that essentialness idea?
0: Yeah, you know, I it before before we reread this for this week, you know, I always thought, you know, fondly on this comic and I had read it a number of times, but it'd been a few years for me and rereading this, I guess especially in the light of this new goblin story we're going through right now, which I, I'm liking so far, um I mean, man, this thing really uh hit me hard, harder than I think it has when I've read it previously, and I don't know if my life has changed in some ways that made it more uh effective for me th- this time but um I was really struck by and and you kind of mentioned this the, the idea uh, like Peter can't really have um a functional relationship with his friends and family because of his uh costume but this book does something that I think very few Spider-Man books do with its villains which is kind of treat them with uh a compassionate lens um, mm. i mean certainly harry is like messed up um but dematis really like uh um finds a way to oscillate him between this kind of fear and compassion and and the understanding that he's actually mentally ill instead of kind of this cartoonish mental illness that so many villains are often cast with like, he seems legitimately sick.
1: Yeah, and and it's very real and raw, the sickness in this, to me.
0: Yeah, there's a scene where he, you know, kidnaps MJ and takes her to what is either the Brooklyn or George Washington Bridge.
1: <laughs> it looks like Brooklyn. It does look like <laughs> Brooklyn.
0: Um, and I think they call it the Brooklyn Bridge in, in this comic. Okay. Um, And, of course, you're thinking, you know, oh, God, he's going to, you know, try to recreate this scene with MJ, but he is just so unaware of what he's doing. He just kind of, like, wanted to have her, you know, to himself and alone to talk with her without even really realizing what he, you know, the kind of imagery that he was invoking. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it seems a little bizarre that he would do that, but, you know, I'm willing to kind of, like, allow it the poetic license. And, Instead of being a maniac on the top of the bridge, he, like, starts having this conversation with her about, you know, like, his legitimate fears over of the danger that Peter poses to, I guess in his own eyes, to his friends and family. And you can kind of sympathize with him in this moment, but you're also, like, terrified because if MJ just says one thing wrong, you know, he could throw her off the side of the bridge. Um and that's a great dramatic moment. I mean, what what a what a crazy scene. Uh I wish I had been reading this book as it was being published.
1: Yeah. Um and I was. This was actually like when I started like really re- uh, yeah, I mean I had started buying Spider-Man comics in the late 80s, but you know, it was around the time that this had come out cuz I remember buying this off the wall at you know the 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 baseball card slash comic book shop that i got a lot of like my clone saga books at i mean i i you know like this was kind of right in the heart of all that um and i just remember i didn't have a ton of context cuz i had not read a lot of child within initially that preceded this and then i had not read a lot of the jerry conway stuff that you know when we interviewed jmd back way way back in the day in 2013 if you can believe it uh, <laughs> we are over four years old now Mark I know it's crazy um, you know he had mentioned that the, the Jerry Conway Ross Andrew story from the 70s you know when 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 Harry first becomes the Goblin was kind of a, a, a jumping on point for JMD in terms of weaving this whole epic um, but still like just, just the the you know there's 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 two two elements of this. I mean, you know, you just alluded to it and I said it in the intro, the idea of the the just that danger that's on every single page of this comic because, you know, again, not only is Harry sick and you don't know when he might snap, but um he just he can get at Peter so many different ways. Like there's there there is no way out for Peter And like there are all these scenes and sequences in this book where like, you know, it's not even that Peter is scared or, or, or terrified or anything like that. He's just like so angry and frustrated. It's like, it's just palatable because he knows he's got no way out. It's either he gives in to his anger and, and, you know, beats the living crap out of his best friend. Or he keeps playing this game and finding himself painted into a corner and it, he, he cannot win. There's no way to win. Like it's one of the few times where and you know I don't know if you do this, Dan, when like there'll be times I'll be watching a movie uh, or a TV show where like the, the tension is just so fraught between two characters where you just even without, you know, with no spoilers or anything, you just say to yourself, the only way that this story can end is if one of these characters dies. Yeah. Like there's no way there's just no way out. You know what I mean? Like this cannot sustain, and that's what what JMD and Basema managed to do in this comic, and and I just can't think. Of, I mean, probably the only time it comes close is Amazing Spider-Man one twenty two after when it's Peter and Norman, when you just know that like, and it's not even that like 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 with with this you can almost question would they do something to Peter because would he go against his friend? Where at least with ASM 122. You knew Norman was gone. You know, like one way or another, Norman wasn't making it out of that storyline after killing Gwen. Yeah. um But this, you just didn't know. But you just, but at the same token, you knew something had to give.
0: Well, that's the thing about this. You say like, you know, like they both are at like an impasse. Right? There's no way forward. And going not to go back to the bridge scene, but like the whole time I, I was reading that, I was thinking if Spider-Man showed up here, she would be dead. Like it, he, just his inclusion in the scene would spell doom for someone. You know what I mean? Like these two people are so larger than life. Like when they, when they don their costumes, they become, they're not people anymore. Like they are like outside superhero, super villain, whatever. They're like these like Titans of emotion and, and anger and, and pent-up energy, you know, uh, like, Peter even, like, snaps at people in this. Like, he's really tense, you can tell, because, like, everything is just so bad for him. And he knows that, like, this isn't sustainable. But they're both, like, Harry and Peter are both at, like, kind of their worst places, you know? Like, they're both, you know, at wit's end, just reacting raw to everything. And when that happens, with people with their power... Uh, like against each other, like there's going to be people caught in the wake of that. And that's what makes it really scary.
1: And I think, you know, and I know you won't disagree with me on this, that one of the things that really adds to the emotional fraughtness of the book is, is Bissema's art. Um, Because like, I mean, he does, you know, we get like, kind of like these nine panel tight pages where you see, like, I I notice it more so with Harry where, you know, Harry, without his mask on has this like stoic, almost vacant look on his face. And then he just puts on that awful goblin mask, which you say looks like, you know, the Joker at his like, you know, Neil Adams peak in the you know, like that late seventies psychotic Joker. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, that's dead on. Yeah. And, and like the juxtaposition of Harry and, the goblin you know again i you know i love how you just put it in terms of like you know when once these people put on the costumes they're not they're not themselves anymore they're just they're just they're arc. i don't even know what they're like archetypes or whatever but yeah like going from harry to the goblin just the artistic transition of of the two faces it's stunning like it's just and it's just so unsettling like so unsettling and, like, this is a hard comic to read.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and I think I think it's rooted in the kind of real emotion of this story and, and the way that Harry Osborne character has been developed over the years. Like, it's that kind of classic male villain role where, like, the person who has been persecuted their entire lives is now taking it out on everyone around them now that they have power. Um, but, like, he oscillates between like, abused son and, like, uh, revenge-crazed maniac every other panel, you know? Um, And he really has to be, you know, in a power position. Anybody that questions his power, like, Liz, for a second, like, you know, questions him, and he immediately becomes, like, this, like, male revenge character, you know? Uh, uh, I think it's kind of an archetype, but it's done really well here, um, uh, like this. This kind of like releasing rage on anyone who threatens him, you know. Keeping his wife in fear, and she has to stay with him for the child, you know. Uh, I don't know. It, it's it's there's so much to unpack with with that character.
1: Yeah, I don't even think you get this level of mania with Norman at any point. I mean, maybe since, um, but I, I guess like preceding this issue i mean you know because i just don't think comics at that point would allow it you know like it just you, you, just, you just didn't get that level of characterization
0: yeah and norman uh, was more of a like a, a steady on off switch like he only went off because he lost his memory and then he would come back and be a you know a loon but i don't think yet yeah, he was never he never seemed as angry either like he was just kind of a guy who was just toying around with things in in a in a quest for power and a way to kind of ma- emotionally manipulate people but i don't think he was ever so angry
1: yeah and just quietly angry <laughs> you know yeah, like right. like like i said those panels of just harry looking like a like almost like a zombie it's just
0: it's almost scarier than the than the goblin maybe it is scarier than the goblin
1: yeah i mean that's 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 the 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 beauty of this and and you know just to give a little more context for what what kind of preceded this between peter and harry i mean the kind of the the thrust of the child within which is like what started the kind of this peter and harry saga was you know that storyline looked at kind at uh the childhoods of Peter and Harry kind of comparing and contrasting how their own individual traumas made them damaged. I mean, that's kind of the, the upshot of that storyline. You know, with Peter, it was, um, being an orphan and being raised by his aunt and uncle and that feeling of abandonment. And then with Harry, it was, you know, losing, losing his mother and having this overbearing, Horrible human being as his father Who abused him emotionally um, And kind of how Them them becoming These costume heroes Was both an escape but also um, An embodiment of that Pain and abandonment And, and anguish um, So like To kind of pay all that off That slow drip of You know both of these Characters in their own ways breaking down because Peter, Peter is not well either, either in this story or just like in the stories leading up to this. I mean, some people actually kind of critique the, the Demetrius era, you know, this, and then kind of following up when he was writing ASM as being like just too dour for Spider-Man, like Spider, you know, it was really like Batman, (laughs) Spider-Man. And Um, he's
0: kind of admitted as such, uh, in, in like our interview with him, like, you know, Craven's last hunt was a Batman story, you know? like Yeah.
1: And this was a Batman story too. Right. Apparently this was going to be a, um, this being Harry and, and Peter, I think he was originally workshopping it as a Batman two face story.
0: Oh, interesting. I could totally see uh, that.
1: Yeah. Which is kind of like what all star Batman was in that through its first arc. Wasn't that like about like the childhoods of, um.
0: Yeah, it was. It Bruce was Bruce
1: and, and Harvey Dent. So <laughs> Have you read that yet? I have. Uh, I have. I I, re- I, awesome. I read through the first. I haven't read the the Mr. Freeze arc yet.
0: It's it's not as good, but but that right. first All-Star Batman is rock solid.
1: Yeah. So there you go. I don't know if Snyder was trying to kind of fulfill what JMD did or not, but um it's just an interesting little little wrinkle there.
0: Mark, one of the things that I noticed reading this and you know, I I feel like I notice this every time I go back and read older Spider-Man issues is the kind of the use of thought balloons and how much I miss thought balloons. I know that Marvel got rid of thought balloons because they were becoming kind of like a crutch for creators. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's not something we've really ever talked about on the show, but like, I feel like Spider-Man has never been the same since thought balloons went away. And I feel like thought balloons allowed the writers to kind of really write a lot of thoughts into Peter's head instead of the kind of the small blocks we get now. Right. Um, And I, I, in my mind, that was one of the most endearing parts about Peter is that he would so often be in his head and you would get to read all of his thoughts about how he was working through things and what he thought about people and his current situations. And I wonder if Spider-Man has never really been the same since marvel got rid of thought balloons what are your thoughts on that
1: um what's my thought balloon on thought balloons no uh, (laughs) no i i i agree with you i i mean i it's funny not until you raised it the way you just did i did i really think about it in this level of detail but in terms of what you're describing i mean you know I could see why where Marvel's logic is and getting rid of them kind of, you know, but, but it, it may not work unilaterally because I think of, of all their stable of superheroes. I mean, Peter is probably the most introspective inter, you know, about, and like you said, he is constantly in his head. It's an essential part of the character. I mean, you know, his whole reason for being is, is him trying to absolve guilt, and 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 remorse for for him for a personal mistake that he made. So like you want to you kind of need to be in that character's head, um, and, and you need to get as far into that character's head as you can. Sometimes to understand where he's coming from. Um, so yeah, I, I I agree. I mean it, it's it you know we sometimes critique when we don't even feel like we're getting any inner monologue. But you know maybe if we still had some use of thought balloons maybe we get a little more than we get now
0: yeah i feel like some writers do a better job of balancing the lack of thought balloons like i think straczynski still had a ton of inner monologue um it wasn't quite as lengthy as jmd's and jmd does tend to you know pile it on i mean the guy writes these very poetic thoughts and and ideas into people's brains um, and I think that's, like, a lot of why people like him. Um, I haven't been reading his, like, Justice League stuff that he's been doing for DC. But, um, I mean, his Spider-Man stands out, especially with me rereading this. You know, I, I really enjoyed getting into his head about what he thought about Harry. And I, I can't imagine a book today spending that much time in Spider-Man's head. Uh, and not even because of a writer, but morely because more because, you know... Uh Marvel doesn't really do that kind of writing anymore.
1: Yeah. And again, I don't know beyond Spider-Man who who from their big their big big heroes you need to get into the head of, you know what I mean? Maybe Cap, but certainly not Iron Man or Thor or or Hulk. Yeah. Uh you know, or at least not the way they're currently being written.
0: Yeah. Um, I think those books still work quite well, um, today. Um, yeah, it's just something to think about because I, not, not to make bad puns and everything like that, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just rereading this. I, I, I and I don't, maybe it's cause it was just JMD and, and he u- likes to use them. Um, but I, I really thought, wow, you know, this is something that's really sorely lacking, um, beyond my typical complaints, uh, from the book. And, Maybe this is me like being nostalgic for something that was probably more annoying like back in the day than than I realized because I'm just not experiencing it now. But um, I don't know. It, it Like it hit me with this wave of nostalgia that I was not prepared for.
1: Yeah. No, that's a good – that's a good pickup. Um...
0: You want to talk about this final confrontation or at least some of the confrontations between Peter and Harry in this because they are – Really interesting.
1: Oh well, yeah. I mean, I mean, this is kind of what it's all about. At the end of the day, you know what I mean. It, it's it's you know, it's it's sac it's it's drama, it's tension, it's sacrifice, it's it's sadness. Um, I mean, where do you, where do you even where do you even begin? I guess you know what I mean. Like, what's I mean, what what's oh, what what sticks in your craw? What sticks in your craw when it comes to how this book ends
0: i just it's so rare that um the history of characters that have been around for that long can be leveraged like this well to tell an excellent story you know like like to my, in my mind this is how you do long game you mm. know like it's not that it was your plan it's just that it makes sense for the characters you know um And what's what's so dramatic about this fight is, like, yes, they punch each other a bunch, but it's not the punches that are interesting. It's the, like, dialogue between the two, and I can't think of, like, a battle between Spider-Man and an adversary in recent memory. Maybe Superior Spider-Man number nine that has, like, as good of, like, a dialogue scene going on between Spider-Man and a villain like it's like a good Tarantino movie you know like uh there's just these two people just pouring their hearts out while, you know and and the punches are just like uh it's like a musical right the punches are the are the music that that interrupts the you know are are, or uh um emphasizes the emotion you know but the dialogue is really the king here
1: yeah the dialogue is carrying it the punches is just you know like it just the dialogue alone can't sustain it so you need something else to kind of accentuate it but but absolutely i mean it's 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 like this ongoing commentary and i guess you could almost you know well you have to suspend disbelief that two characters while beating the crap out of each other would be having a conversation uh but but that's i mean it's comics and it works here you know like like you 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 want to see this history and it and it's you know it's about more than just peter and harry it's it's i mean there's so many different relationships and dynamics um at stake here during this confrontation it's it's peter and harry but it's also harry and norman and peter and norman and harry and mj and peter and liz and peter and mj and and you know be, like you said because they lean on so much history and and really do i mean you know, it's funny, I'm, I'm, I was almost about to say something where I felt like I criticized um, that Omega clone conspiracy issue for doing, doing, which was that, you know, it kind of almost kind of relies on the reader having, being well-versed in these histories. But the same token, there's enough contained within this issue alone where even if you didn't know all these stories because you know like i said when i first read this in the 90s i didn't know all the stories but i still got that this was a big deal that these characters were going through this together
0: well this is also the end of a simmering storyline that's specifically about the green goblin and spider-man whereas that story you know the omega conclusion it's a good conclusion but we never got a rhino Rhino story unless you had been reading for like what, almost 200 issues, uh, right. prior. Yeah. Um, that's,
1: that's the long game, Dan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's talk, let's talk about the very end of this story. Cause it's really special. Do you want to, do you want to tell everybody about why you think it's so special? Because I know you do.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's almost, I don't want to say a cliche, but it, it, it just, it, it, tugs on heartstrings and and not just heartstrings but it it hits this level of both redemption and sadness that you know it's easy to look back on in retrospect and be like oh yeah of course that's where they went with it but again like in the moment it just hits those notes so right i mean basically you know harry has peter dead to rights the you know like the, the the building is about to explode and with Peter trapped inside, um, and, um, and, and MJ and Norm and Normie too. Right. Isn't yeah, that, it's yeah, it's all Normie three of them. Right.
0: There,
1: yeah. You know, Peter is just kind of like Harry, you know, like Harry, whatever, whatever between you and me, but get MJ and Normie out of here. And Harry kind of has this, this revelation and he gets them out and he's like ready to be like, okay, I I'm, I'm the hero. And even MJ is just like, what about Peter? <laughs> and he's just like, Oh crap. <laughs> so he goes, he goes back in, pulls Peter out before the building's ready to explode. And because Harry, I guess they're there, the way it's explained, it's not a hundred percent clear, but I've always understood it as, you know, he had taken the, the, you know, Norman's goblin serum and, and it was, ha- he was having an adverse reaction to that. So that kind of, um, in, uh, in association with the, this bomb going off in the building, just, it's just like too traumatic for his body to withstand and he dies.
0: Well, not, right? not, not to mention that he's also like perspiring for like right. the past 30 issues. Like the guy is clearly like his poor heart can barely take what like all of the energy that he's putting you know into his body. You know what I mean?
1: Right. But it's you know he 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 gets to be the hero, even though I mean you know the mess is his making <laughs> um but he does he 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 does the responsible thing, he uses his power responsibly, and it's just these last pages, there's no dialogue it's it's just peter it's Peter as spider man, which I always thought was an interesting choice that he didn't like i guess it's technically a public venue still, so he wouldn't take his mask off. But again, it's just like still this like very intimate moment between Peter and Harry and the there's still a barrier up with Peter having the mask on, which I just always found interesting. Um,
0: but, but I think to reflect that, you know, like the minute Harry takes the mask off and is dying, like the way that Sal draws his face, like kind of the lines are work is like softened. Uh, yes. Like he, you can tell he's Harry Osborne again and like is dying, you know, that kind of like weak, you know, kind of, uh, I, I don't know, feckless or whatever character that, that you've known over the years, you know, and, and it's just heartbreaking to see, you know, someone in his position be so twisted by what his father had done and and dying the kind of like hero, but also kind of a weak you know, in a weakened state, uh, you know, it's it's kind of crushing.
1: Yeah, I mean, clearly, and it kind of also punctuates the fact that as, as twisted and sick as Harry was, he was never truly evil because, like, you know, whereas, like, Norman and then later the Hobgoblin, they took the serum and, you know, became these, you know, very you know physically enhanced villains it kills harry basically you know like he can't he can't handle it because that's he was not meant to handle it you know does that make sense to you
0: yeah absolutely that makes a lot of sense
1: it's just he he you know he 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 can't do it he can't be that person he can't be norman um
0: which is like in essence the problem between him and norman from the very beginning
1: so it's just so sad, but, and of course you got like Normie crying and developing what will later be this very sadistic hatred for Spider-Man.
0: <laughs> which, which can like never really pay off in the pages of Amazing Spider-Man because he's such a young character.
1: Give it time, man. He might be the goblin eventually.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it's like, it's up to every other like offshoot to like fulfill that story. Right, Um, right. Because they so don't want to age Peter up by aging Normie.
1: Right. But yeah, DeFalco – I mean DeFalco did it in Spider Girl for the most part, although he kind of eventually backtracked on that too. Anyway, yeah. So that's Spectacular 200, Dan.
0: You want to talk about um, our feelings about it now in the light of Peter – or not Peter, Harry coming back?
1: You know, it's (sighs) – it is it is funny, I mean, it's like no one stays dead in comics, so you can't really get upset about it, and even you know again, when we talked to j m d he wasn't upset about it i think the I think the only one of the resurrections that he felt a little askew about was Aunt May, yeah uh, because that was an absurd resurrection,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think his response to us about Harry was like it was a good story, and it made sense
1: yeah and and it did i I mean, I wrote about it on chasing some time ago the 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 dance slot um i forgot who did the art on that um anyway which one uh on the on the brand new day story that explained harry's what happened to harry that he like went to europe and um
0: Um, was that phil jimenez
1: no it wasn't jimenez um it was oh Anyway, that's this is great listening right now. Yeah, so we'll,
0: absolutely great.
1: Uh, <laughs> it was written by Dan Slott. I thought it was a well-done story, um, and it was a well-explained ex- rationale, especially in light of the, how they brought Norman back. It was kind of, you know, had parallels to that. You know, does it cheapen this? Yeah, but we can still look back and talk about this story and I, I, and talk about it in these glowing terms. It's This is no matter what, they cannot take away just how JMD and Sal Buscema captured these two characters in this moment. And, and to me that, that, me, it, that rises above any retroactive continuity finagling.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, although I do think like it is funny how accepting all of these characters are of, you know Harry, and like nobody seems to shoot him a kind of like, like you know, uh, like like a, like an eye. At, like a, they're not they're not skeptical of him. And if this was the guy that I was working with, and I knew of this in his past, I don't know that I'd ever be able to get over <laughs> over this. Right. But, uh, but I mean, whatever. It's comics, you know. And and I agree with you. I think he's been a great addition, and I like what they did with him in Brand New Day, where they had him like kind of directly, you know, proving his, his worth, like uh, standing up to goblin nation people like Vin Gonzalez, who uh, I always think about the moment after the party where Vin, you know, shows him his tattoo of the goblin and and Harry just decks him in the face. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, good times.
1: Very good times. Well, that's Harry Lyman now.
0: (laughs) Which for how much he says his name is Harry Lyman me thinks he protests too much
1: yeah that's Uh, true
0: I, i and and with the ending of asm 25 i wouldn't be surprised if uh we saw harry had something else up his sleeve um i hope that's not the case but i wouldn't be surprised
1: yeah time will tell on that sir
0: yeah well anyway uh how about we talk about our friendly neighborhood spider talk members club Mark, it's the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. That's our Patreon fan club that keeps our show going because wonderful people like you, our listeners, decide to give us some of your hard-earned money. And you get all kinds of prizes and all kinds of other awesome stuff uh, like uh, extended uh, uh, sequences from our interviews uh, that we didn't release to the public. Um, But yeah – If you want to help our show continue, please go check out our websites and click on the button that says, Mark, what does it say?
1: It says Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club.
0: And uh, we have a new member this week uh, joining our club. Who is our new member, Mark?
1: Well, it says here, our new member is Brandon Murray. So Brandon, thank you so much for uh, joining the club and and showing your support for our show and and keeping keeping our podcast humming along,
0: yeah, and uh speaking of um of moving forward let's let's talk about we got a giveaway that I'm gonna be doing over the next couple of weeks and it's uh it's a favorite of mine uh, mark,
1: I was gonna say i think I think the only way. Anyone would take this book as if you gave it away, Dan.
0: Oh, that's not true. That's not true. People love this book.
1: Uh-huh. What's, what's the book, Dan?
0: I'm going to be raffling off a copy of Spider-Man Rain.
1: Uh, just, just make sure, you know, you wear an umbrella so you don't get hit by any radioactive sperm. Uh,
0: Okay. All right. Uh, (laughs) There will be no radioactive sperm in the box that I ship it in. Uh, (laughs) Thank goodness. Thank goodness. I mean, I can't for sure say that, but I feel pretty (laughs) confident about it.
1: Radioactive sperm.
0: All right. Spider-Man Rain. One of my (laughs) favorite Spider-Man books, and I would have included it on my essentials list. If we hadn't already talked about it. Uh, but yes, Ugh. if you sign up for our club, you get entered into these like biweekly raffles and you could win a copy of Spider-Man Reign, um, which may or may not be a good thing, depending on who you are.
1: <laughs> depending if you're on Team Dan or Team Mark.
0: There you go. All right. Next week, I'll give away some annuals, maybe.
1: There you go. I'll well, give
0: away I... exactly the annuals you don't have, Mark.
1: Okay, well, then maybe I can win those annuals then, and then
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, yeah, come check out our friendly neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club and get in on the action of these awesome prizes and raffles etc, etc, etc. Mark let's talk about some comments and emails Spider, Spider.
1: Well, Dan, I'm glad, I'm glad we got away from Spider-Man Reign so then we could talk about some real important things, like how you can get in touch with us on uh, this podcast, which is, uh, you know, first of all, we love it if you leave us comments and ratings on iTunes and Stitcher and YouTube and Google Play. Uh, that helps us grow as a community. And we'll read your stuff on the air, even the bad ones. So if you want to just tell us what you think about us. Like even the bad stuff, you could do that, and we'll 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 say it on the air. Like it's like that, uh, the book I always read to my son, the book with no pictures. Are you familiar with this, Dan?
0: I am familiar with this.
1: Okay, you know, like I yeah, that whole book makes the adults say the silly, stupid things. So anyway, uh, but I'm I'm losing the narrative here. Uh, you can also email us <laughs> at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com You can call us at Nine Red Goblin. You can tweet at us and hashtag it. Okay to print. Uh, Dan, it looks like to start, we got a couple of uh, comments on the old uh, uh, iTunes, I'm guessing, right? Yeah. This one is from Green Shirt Steve. Very specific. It's not a yellow shirt, not a blue shirt, <laughs> green shirt.
0: There
1: you go. And Steve writes, five out of five, just swing through the air, sit back and prepare. The best Spider-Man podcast out there.
0: Way to go, Steve! Thanks for the Thanks, comment. Thanks, Steve.
1: Yeah, uh, and and we got we got a letter, a letter, or is an email?
0: It's it's maybe both.
1: Okay. Well, was it was it you know is it like our our president who doesn't actually send emails? He just like like scans PDFs of letters and emails them.
0: Is, is that true? Yes. How interesting. All right. Yeah. Well, yes, this is an email actually from um, uh, Nathaniel blaylock uh who wrote in last time uh a comment and we asked him a number of questions and let's see how we did mark because we guessed at his age and then i potentially criticized his collection okay all right so uh nathaniel writes just finished listening to the most recent episode of amazing spider talk and i appreciated your reading my review on the air you were right on the age i'll be 34 in june look at that mark you were right Boom. Uh, That's going to actually be a continuing uh, theme of these emails, is that Mark is right. Uh, Woo! uh, He writes, uh, but wrong on the name. It's a long A in Blaylock, but close enough. Uh, After teaching high school for nearly 11 years, I have botched many names and had mine botched in return, so no offense taken. Uh, I wanted to respond to your question regarding my collection and your ongoing feud over whether annuals count. I'm now down to 188 issues. I recently visited a local mini Comic Con that a retailer in the area hosted. However, I'm not counting annuals in that list, but admittedly going by Mark's take on what constitutes a full run. Nice. I don't want to continue, Mark.
1: No, I think you need to. Keep reading, Dan. Keep reading every word.
0: All right. He says, uh, I think you've expertly th- – I, I can't continue this, Mark.
1: <laughs> no. I, you need to read this. I, 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 want, I want this to stick in your craw, buddy.
0: All right. He says, I think you've expertly threaded a legal needle by noting that you're chasing the 700 issues that constitute the original run of Amazing Spider-Man, and I will follow suit in my count. However, I do f- own a few annuals that I picked up because of significance to the story. Annual 5 or size Special Introducing Peter's Parents. And of course, Annual 21 both covers because why not? See, he does have some love for the annuals, Mark. Yeah, I, I, just,
1: I own those ones as well.
0: All right. And he says, and who wouldn't want a copy of Annual number 1? I definitely plan to add this to my collection if I can find a copy in decent shape. For a decent price, I never look for nor can afford the pristine copies, but I also want one that's not falling apart.
1: I'm in uh, the same block. I'm in the same boat as you, Nathaniel. I I I want an annual one, and you know that I might consider the end of my expensive comic buying after that. But um, haven't found that copy yet.
0: There you go. And he says, uh, uh, I'm curious as to what you think will come of the Superior Octopus Rift. Like Dan, I'm cautiously optimistic about Secret Empire but still definitely event fatigued. Do you think that this status quo shift uh, will hold for the duration of the event, or do you think we'll get this hybrid Octavius for a while? I'm guessing that um, he's referring to uh, Otto being like teamed up with Hydra. Do you think that that is kind of the future of the character?
1: Eh. I think this will make its way through Secret Empire and then They're going to I don't think the character is going away anytime soon, but I think they'll find new things for him to do after this story ends.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, And not to make my stance on my feelings about annuals even worse, Mark, we get another email from Clint who asked us a simple question.
1: Yeah, he was. But talking about annuals, did I miss your podcast about the ASM annual number one from 2016? Didn't we like just briefly touch upon it in a B-book review?
0: I think so. Or we didn't even mention it at all, which doesn't give me a lot of credibility in my fight about annuals because that book was totally passable.
1: Yes. Not an essential, Dan. Not, not even close. An essential,
0: not even close. It was a collection of like inventory stories that, I mean, I think probably the most inventory story heavy book I've ever read.
1: Which was the annual where like, it was just Peter on a cell phone? Was that it was, that
0: one? I think it was 2015. Oh, God. Yeah. I liked that book uh, historically. I, I will go, I will say. Um, I think this new one was just garbage.
1: How is your copy of ASM Annual 1, The Sinister Six one?
0: It's actually a really nice looking copy.
1: And you got that in Baltimore, I'm assuming?
0: No, I actually got it, I think, out here in LA.
1: I saw a decent copy. It was probably like a good, very good version for about 200 bucks at a store in New York. I should have just bought it, and I didn't.
0: Yeah, I got mine, I think, for like 80 bucks, and it's in better condition than I thought I would get for that price, so I jumped on it when I saw it. Yeah. Because that's a cool issue
1: anyway. Yeah, no, it's a great issue. I actually... And this was... I, I spent... Not a ton of money. I spent maybe ten bucks on this, but this is this is like what because I did dabble with the idea of oh, I'll just do the annuals to shut Dan up and the, but I, I bought the reprint annual of that annual. I think that's annual six or something like that. That
0: doesn't and kinda, count.
1: And I was just like, well, I know it doesn't count as owning it, but I was like, this is. I, I just I, I I bought it. I spent like ten or fifteen bucks at it at a con, and I opened it up, and it's literally just page for page the whole thing and i'm like i literally like how is this how is this part of your collection it's a reprint dan it's a reprint with another number spacked on it
0: it counts mark
1: right it uh-huh. just
0: does it just sure. does
1: uh-huh do you do, do you have the um what is it the uh the golden record version of asm1 does that count or whatever it's that called? doesn't like... count
0: i have had that presented to me like a dozen times Of people saying, look, it's a 9.6 of Amazing Spider-Man number one for 400 bucks or whatever. Do you want to buy it? And I'm like, uh, it is beautiful, but it's not the real deal.
1: Oh, but right. But because, you know, Marvel cheaped out and put, reprinted an entire book start to finish and made it annual six. That counts.
0: Absolutely, Mark. And I don't have to defend myself. that number makes a difference
1: go away all right i'm done with i'm done with this let's get to the goodbyes
0: all right of course you can find all of our new amazing spider talk and old superior spider talk podcasts that's 153 of them mark what is issue 153
1: oh um that is hold on oh what is 153 It's a Len. Oh, that's oh, I love that one. That is I believe that is the uh, the long the football one on the football field when he's got to save the little girl.
0: Mark, it is absolutely amazing. That is the right one. You you are two for two on this new quiz that I think I'm going to keep doing.
1: All right. (laughs) Well, the next one's gonna be 154, so I just need to advance it. <laughs>
0: yeah, Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll keep it a little more uh, sporadic. Yeah, try to sporadic. It there you on.
1: go.
0: Yeah, there you go. All right, so Mark, you are the man on on these things. Um, yes, you can you can check them out on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and on YouTube by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please be sure to leave us a rating and comment and let us know how we're doing, and we'll read it on the air. We're at 97 ratings or comments. Can we make it to 100? Um, and also, if you have any opinions on the comics we talked about today or any questions, please be sure to email them to us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com or call us at 9RedGoblin, or you can tweet at us with okay to print and we'll read all these things on the air. Man, there are so many ways to get in touch with us, Mark. I bet if you put Smoke Signals up, we would read that too. We
1: we we would do it all. Um, but in addition to that, also be sure to check out our Facebook pages and to subscribe to our brother podcast, The Ultimate Spin, to keep up with the adventures of spider Gwen and Miles Morales, which uh, thankfully that crossover is over. Did I say thankfully? That sounds mean.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you on that crossover. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it wasn't the worst thing.
1: No, it wasn't the worst thing. It's it was better than some some major stories we got in amazing over the last few years, but not a great story on its own.
0: Not much better.
1: No. Uh, But Dan, speaking of actual great stories, we're going to be doing another essential next week because we still a couple of weeks until the next ASM comes out and it's going to be your pick. What are we doing? What should our readers get jazzed up about?
0: You know, it's, it, it's so funny I can't believe that we've never talked about this book on our podcast Especially given our, our, the podcast history um, We're going to be talking about Superior Spider-Man number 1 uh, We've talked about 698 We've talked about 700 But we've never talked about Superior Spider-Man number 1 on this show um, In any kind of depth So that's what we're going to be talking about for my next Essentials pick
1: That excites me, Dan
0: I'm super pumped about it. Mark, in the meanwhile, where can we find you on the internet?
1: Uh, well, you can find me on SuperiorSpireTalk.com and on ChasingAmazingBlog.com. I had another post up, Dan. Did you know that? I bet you didn't.
0: I actually did not. I'm going to read it uh, right now.
1: All right. It's about ASM64, which I was talking about me coming full circle Getting the second part of a arc from the very first Silver Age issue I ever bought, which was ASM sixty three with the vulture on the cover.
0: It, uh, this is the one with the vulture and that like grayed out background. Yes. Which is kind of like an homage to ASM two with the kind of like grayed out red background.
1: Correct, I believe. Uh great, great little, you know, and it's got lots of teen drama in it with like Peter and Gwen and MJ's got a haircut. She got has a short haircut. I mean, I, you got. I read love it the
0: short MJ haircut.
1: Yeah, I knew, of course you do. Because uh, you you you're basically marrying someone with a short MJ haircut. So I, I, basi-
0: I basically like took that image and put it on my like uh, uh, you know like online dating and said like find me this match.
1: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know where you're going with that comment at first. So I was <laughs> like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, so. Um, Check that out, of course uh, Please, please pre-order my book 100 Things Spider-Man Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die Which you can find uh, through the publisher's Website, triumphbooks.com And uh, Amazon and Barnes & Noble And, uh, and all major book retailers um, the, the, the Release date on that is June 1st Dan, I actually was in touch with My, uh, with the publisher This past week, and the book is done. It has been sent to the printer. So this thing is happening. So it'll be in stores June one, but I'm actually gonna have copies in my hand probably in a month.
0: So that's when I'm gonna get my copy?
1: Sure. I was gonna wait till your wedding, but I guess I could give it to you earlier than that.
0: Oh no, you can you can wait for my wedding. That'll be like my honeymoon. My, <laughs> <laughs> my wife will be like you know, like dragging me out of these places and I'll be like, excuse me, I bet you didn't know these hundred things about Spider Man.
1: Because I got to personalize you a copy, Dan.
0: That would be really awesome. i I would probably cry tears, real life tears.
1: and you are you are in the acknowledgments for what it's worth.
0: That's so touching. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm, spoiling, I
1: hear, I'm, I'm spoiling it for you, but,
0: and, and I hear Tom DeFalco gave me a nickname.:
1: Yes, you are um oh,
0: I believe I'm Dapper Dan of Austin.
1: I believe you're dapper Dan, and' I'm I'm mischievous Mark.
0: There you go. We have our uh, official
1: Spider-Man yeah, names. Yeah, people should know that the forward of this book was written very generously by Tom DeFalco, the legendary Tom DeFalco, uh, which just thrilled me beyond belief. So thank you again, Tom, for doing that. I, I apparently owe him, I believe, four copies was his payment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, not not to belabor this, but I. I I do want to say, Dan, that I've been getting some questions on Twitter and Facebook about people wanting um, autographs or, or personalizations, and I'm trying to work something out with the publisher right now where maybe we can, like, send in, like, there's, like, these little, like, adhesions that you go put on the inside page. So, like, if you buy a book, if you've already pre-ordered a book and you let me know that you want me to send you a personal note or something i can sign one of these things and mail it to you directly so like there be a way to do it. what's that yes exactly book plates thank you dan he knows better than i do
0: <laughs> it is what i do for a living
1: very very fair <laughs>
0: <laughs> well cool mark i i can't wait honestly yeah. i'm gonna have to get yeah. a book plate myself uh yeah.
1: No, I, I mean the, the the early support from from people must be pretty good because the 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 early pre-orders uh, and you know sound pretty good according to the publisher. They they're very happy with how things are going so far. So. That's
0: so great. Maybe we can do yeah. uh, like two hundred things book.
1: Oh, there you go. The sequel. Um, we'll see. But anyway, so yes,
0: <laughs> he says exhaustedly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Like okay, here's the chapter on Big Wheel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Two hundred things you didn't know about Big Wheel.
1: Here are more essential stories. <laughs> um, let's finally do that that Marvel team up with with uh, Havoc and uh, Thor and uh, the um, oh, not the Living Brain, um, the 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 oh. It's 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 a Claremont Byrne one that was originally on my essential shortlist that I was like I'm not talking about this story but now I will in that book the two hundred things. <laughs> How many
0: Marvel two in one references do you have in this new book of yours?
1: Ooh. I actually I did do a whole chapter on Marvel team up, but okay. I did not do um I don't think I I don't think I mentioned the Thanos story.
0: Mark. Well, clearly no, that's... it's not an essential. If it didn't make your top 100 things you should know about Spider-Man.
1: Yeah, I mean, not for nothing, in the Spider-Man Avengers chapter that I wrote, I did talk about ASM Annual 3 far more than the Thanos 2-in-1 story.
0: Oh, man, you are betraying your own choices.
1: Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, this has been a fun tangent.
1: There you go. Anyway, uh, and of course you can find me on Twitter, at ChasingASM blog. Dan! Where can we find you?
0: He brought it home. Uh, yes, you can find <laughs> me on Twitter at at SupSpiderTalk. You can read all of our Spider-Man writing and stuff over at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Please go check out that site. I know there's a lot of you that listen that have never checked out the website. We've got a lot of great stuff from a lot of great contributors over there who are doing great work day in and day out. I'd love it if you could go check out that site. You might even someday see Mark's end to our Darren uh, you know, Brock again. <laughs> it's series. coming. It's coming. It's coming. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that's really exciting. You know, Mark, we like to kind of have some friendly banter on, on this show from time to time, you know, and we yeah. have our playful, you know, jabs back and forth. But there was that time where I became very mentally ill. And began, uh-huh. began taunting you around New York City, um, yeah. even threatening your loved ones, uh, which it was scary. But of course now everything is fine and, and no one mentions that weird period of our lives. Uh, how did you get through this, this tough time?
1: Well, you know, it, it, it would have been better if you didn't kill my Uncle Ben, Dan.
0: Well, that was just my, my father killed your Uncle Ben.
1: And the, the no, no, no. It, you see, oh, you, you really were mentally wiped out, weren't you, man? So let me explain to people what happened. So, um, you know, Dan went crazy and was like, following me all around the city, taunting me and stuff like that. And, um, you know, uncle Ben and I, uh, were road tripping. We were going into beautiful New Jersey over the George Washington bridge And uh,
0: seems to recall that it was the Brooklyn Bridge.
1: You see, you really are crazy because, you know, it it was totally the George Washington Bridge had that beautiful brick and the cable stayed and the American flag on top. That's the that's the George Washington Bridge, right?
0: That sounds a lot like the Brooklyn Bridge, Mark. I think for sure that's the Brooklyn Bridge.
1: Oh, you're right. This wasn't you that killed my uncle Ben. This was. Oh crap. No, yeah, we were driving up into the the, the into, over the GW bridge, and then we were in Jersey, and then we ended up in the Pine Barrens, and then the grizzly jumps out of the woods. The grizzly, you know, the, that really lame villain, completely like mauls my uncle Ben. Like I'm like running away. I, I you know, apparently like Uncle Ben tried surviving in the woods after getting mauled by a bear. He had maggots eat the the, the flesh off his back that was decaying and stuff like that. Um, I, you know, they were going to make like a three hour movie about it. I think <laughs> um, <laughs> um, something about the revenant. I don't know. But the problem was, you know, this isn't a movie. And even if that movie was based on a real person, uncle Ben was not made like that. And you know, if I wasn't too busy worried about you pumpkin bombing me, Dan, I might have gone back and saved my Uncle Ben after that mauling. So, in effect, you were responsible for killing my Uncle Ben.
0: It's like six degrees of separation.
1: I can't. With possibly- great podcasts, <laughs> must also come amazing Spider Talk.